Welcome to the Not Great Parents podcast. I am Not Great Parent Molly, and this is my co-host, Not Great Parent Nathan. Hello. Hello, everyone, and we are proud to be not great. That's right. The whole goal of what we're trying to do here is say we're not pursuing life in the greatness of this world, things like success and uh, happiness and money and better careers and all those kind of stuff, and even for our kids, better grades and accomplishments and experiences for them. Experiences and awards and all those yes, things. But we're going to pursue life in the goodness of God's kingdom. And that is everything from the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, all those good things, right? Or just the self-sacrificial love of Jesus. We want to pursue that, which often means we're going to have to give up some of the greatness of the world so that we can pursue that. And when it comes to our kids, we're going to have to lean more on the goodness of God than the greatness of this yeah so. so tell me have you ever failed and you're I, I know you failed yes you and I both are children who probably towed the line a little bit and went right on yeah. over the edge my mom used to say you're walking along the line and you're just gonna fall right off at some point and then but she would say it in a way like as a warning yeah. if I fell off it was it, what it, whatever it always was okay but yeah there were times where I did things that would have been seen as a failure mm -hmm. by my parents or different things like that. I know you have too. Can you think of an example? Maybe not in your parents' reaction, but you thought they might get upset, yeah. more I upset think, than they did. I think when I was little, um, I remember um, my dad, my whole family's really into baseball. That was, mm -hmm. that was you know, the thing. Besides Jesus, it was really Jesus and baseball in our home. And so my older brother had played and he was very talented at it. And I really wanted to be good. And I played two years for a coach who was very encouraging and right. very was on my side. And I think I had shown some promise. Like my my dad was even like, I think you could have been, you know, uh -huh. you know, you would have been great or whatever. Not in like a extra in a trying to no, build me a, up kind of way. Yes. But I your potential. Yes. I remember I had a really bad year. I played fall ball when I was nine years old for a coach who just was uh he was more stick than carrot, okay. right? You know, there was a lot more. You get, you're not getting this out. There was no yes. reward. You're not. You're not doing this right. And I just hated it. And I remember being so afraid to tell my dad, "I don't want to play baseball ever again. Right. I'm done with this. I want to do. I want to pursue this other stuff." And I remember um, having to tell my parents that, but both of them just being like, "Okay, yeah, we can see that. Yeah, we can see that. That's something that's." And not you probably. Had like we're fretting about telling them. Oh, absolutely! I remember just being terrified that they're gonna feel like this was, you know, just the worst decision I could make. Now, that was really a small thing. There were other things in life that I had tried to hide that were kind of more moral failure kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Things that I was afraid to tell my parents of. But every time when I would get up the courage to finally admit it or confess mm -hmm. whatever it was, when I was met with love and grace on the other side, it actually built into me. This idea of uh, my parents are for me mm -hmm. no matter what. Yes. Even when I do things that might embarrass them right. in front of other people. You know, I was the preacher's kid. Oh, you did a lot of things that might be embarrassing then, right? Well, you know, that's, that's, I think that's the theory around preacher's kid, which often ends up being true, is that preacher's kids often become so rebellious and whatever because the thought is, 
And in a lot of church systems, it's very much everyone in the church is like, now you're gonna embarrass your dad. You're gonna embarrass them. You're gonna, you're gonna, you know, or the dad, you know, the parents start saying, hey, everything you do is a reflection on me. Right. So make sure. Or all eyes are on you because you're. That's right. You know, my dad was always on the other side of that. My mom was always on the other side of. I don't think I ever once heard what you do is a reflection on your dad. No. I don't think I ever heard, you know, people expect more out of you because you're the preacher's kid, all those kind of things. Now, I do think some other people in the church said similar things, but never from my parents. Right. And I always knew no matter what I did, even when I messed things up, even when I did things and I behaved ways at the church that other teachers and people had to get on to me for, right, uh, and my parents would back up those teachers. Like, right. yeah, you can't act that way. Yep, you can't do that thing. I never felt like my parents were embarrassed by them, right. you know? And so I think that's a different level of kind of thing. And I think when you're in a world, getting back to good, not great, where you're pursuing greatness. Those things, those embarrassments and those things tend to be bigger than right. when you're pursuing goodness. And I think what ends up happening is if we're not careful as parents, uh, we will really start to create in our kids this fear that, well, my parents love me as long as mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. Or my parents love me, but... but yes, or they love me when... Yes. <laughs> you know, and that there's some condition within yes. the within the way that, that we're loved. And, you know, we, we're going to talk about in this episode about our family being a training ground. Yeah. You know, our homes being the training ground for learning how to love and be in relationship with other people. That's right. And I think in particular, when it comes to eventually being able to attach, having this ability to fail well, Mm -hmm. most of us think that our job in the home Mm -hmm. is to train our kids to succeed in life. Mm -hmm. So I want to give them all the skills they need to, you know, make good grades so they can get a good job and go to a good college. Or, you know, if I want them to have you know, that athletic experience, you know, I want to get them in baseball young and I want to teach them how to do this and get them the coach they need and get the preparation Mm -hmm. or, you know, give them singing lessons or whatever the thing is. We think that's our job as parents is to help them succeed. I want to suggest that maybe what our job in order to help our kids form secure attachments, Mm -hmm. right, that really the best thing we do is teach our kids how to fail, teach our kids how to mess up, make mistakes, and even... When they sin, I'm not saying we're supposed to teach our kids how to sin, no. but that when they sin, because it's inevitable, they're yes. going to do it, how to confess that sin, how to how to do that in a loving way that they know when I'm open and honest and vulnerable, these people will love me and accept me. Exactly, for who I am. So that when they are adults and they're no longer coming to their mother or father to say, hey, I'm 35, but I got to confess this sin to you. Right. That they would maybe do that with other brothers and sisters in Christ in their church that they would be able to be vulnerable and open so they can continue their growth in the kingdom. Right. And then as they have their own children, they have those healthy attachments and relationships with their children to help continue to grow the kingdom. It's interesting because we talk around here all the time about not doing life alone. Right. So we, you know, there are people who say, I don't like peopling, I don't like people, I don't this, I don't like that. We all need attachment. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so even if you're the most introverted person, you still need attachment and, and acceptance and love from people. It doesn't mean you need it from every, you know, everybody are in the same way, but we all need that. And so... 
I think, you know, people sometimes say, oh, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. And they kind of write it off. But mm -hmm. the reality is, is that everybody does. And, our, mm -hmm. and, and that comes from early days. And it's designed right. by God. I mean, it's also, right. we are talking about the family being this training ground for, you know, mm -hmm. life in the kingdom of God. That's and right. so he says, we're not doing life alone. And that includes right. this practice of, of attachment. So. Well, I think in particular, when you, when you talk about, I think we said in the first couple of episodes, the family is the model really for the church of mm -hmm. this, that I'm supposed to experience what it's like so that when I'm an adult, I choose to say, hey, I'm going to attach to these people. They're going to mm -hmm. become my brothers and sisters, people who are strangers to me. Who, uh, who probably when I first met them, they they were they were nothing more than strangers. They might have be uh, have different ideas about life than I do. Right. They might be ethnically different than me. They may be nationally uh, different than me. Right? There's all these different things that could separate us. Right? Uh, but somehow I'm going to attach to them and trust my life to them. Trust mm -hmm. the most vulnerable parts of my life to them. We were talking about. We just recently had a seminar um, at our church for people. Uh, when it comes to finances, and mm -hmm. we're trying to help people, and they were talking about that really what it really takes for a person to find financial freedom is to be able to be vulnerable enough to let someone into your finances to, to see, see what's map. going on right? and see the mess of it, see whatever it is. And we were talking about there's a level of, once again, ability to trust you're a person that I can trust to let into this part of my life mm -hmm. that often for most of us is full of shame because we feel like oh, maybe yeah. I'm not doing this right. Maybe I should have known how to do it better. Maybe I, you know, all these questions that come up and I'm going to let another person in to see that mm -hmm. so that I can find freedom. And what we believe is freedom in Jesus, that Jesus cares right. about your financial freedom, but also your emotional freedom, your mental freedom, all different aspects. But that requires me to be at a place where I can really trust, hey, these people, they're for me. Mm -hmm. But as you said, that begins... Well, it really begins in the home. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And it we, we say it about Jesus, too. Jesus is for me. Mm -hmm. And we say it around here, too. Jesus is for you, and he only wants good in your life. That's right. That is, he has set that example, and we as parents should set that example in our own homes with our children. That's right. Well, and if you think about it in that terms, you know, when we, I was first describing what the purpose of secure attachment, that I would know this person's for me. Mm -hmm. They do anything for me. They don't want anything from me. They just want to give to me. Mm -hmm. They want to... Uh, they would be self-sacrificial. All of those things are characteristics of God. Right. Right. And that's the purpose is uh, the parent is really to be, once again, this model to the child of what God's love is like. Exactly. That I don't want anything from you. And I want to say this as we kind of move forward. That doesn't mean that I don't ever correct your behavior no. Or I don't ever put boundaries. You know, we've talked on here about discipline and boundaries and all those kinds of things. Difficult truths to your children and right. Um, you know, boundaries is huge. <laughs> yes, well, because God gave the children of Israel uh, the law, mm -hmm. and through Jesus, He gave us the Sermon on the Mount. He said, "This is the best way for you to live because I love you." Mm -hmm. And this isn't something I want from you. In fact. It was the enemy, it was the Satan, the serpent, when he came into the garden and says, hey, do you know the reason God gave you that rule about the tree? It's because God's trying to keep something good from you. Right. Right, which is what every teenager at some point thinks is, all oh, my parents care about. Is me not having fun. Yes. And doing what they want me to do. Yes. And the parent is like, no, no, I'm really, I'm trying to keep you safe. I'm trying to keep you from making a bad decision that can wreck something in your future. I'm trying to X, Y, Z, right? Mm -hmm. And so... My job as the parent, it's not that I never put boundaries, it's not that I never do, but I always do so in such a way that what I'm doing is for your good 
not for my good, that right. I'm doing this for your good. And so that's really kind of the idea of what we want to talk about is this idea that the, the point of the family, one of, one of the things the family does for our children in preparing them for life in the kingdom is helping them to understand almost to get this picture in their head that what relationships are for right. is for this kind of secure attachment where I can be vulnerable, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I can be open and honest. And what I won't, I won't receive rejection or judgment or condemnation. What I will receive on the other side is someone who loves me mm -hmm. and will support me. And, and is for me. And is for me. What you want to do is you want to be able to create a home where your kids can make mistakes mm -hmm. and they can learn. Yes. Right? And that they can do this. Now, that requires a couple of different things. We're going to talk about this in future episodes of how do I have expectations? Right. Not drop because... Because we're not saying it's a free-for-all. Everybody does their own thing. Well, the it's truth true. is my kid can't learn to make mistakes if nothing's ever a mistake. True. Because I see a lot of... And my, my kid can't learn if I don't ever address what is truly a mistake. Well, that's what I mean is there are parents who, I think, once again, insecure attachment on their part. Mm -hmm. I grew up in a home that I felt like was too controlling, too image conscious, too whatever. Like, So we're not going to have any of those things at our house. So what, what, <laughs> what I'll do is I don't ever want to correct my kid because I don't want them to ever think that I don't I don't accept them. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not acceptance. That's 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 nonsense. Mm -hmm. There you go. It's not acceptance. Nonsense. It's nonsense. It doesn't make sense because your kid knows I'm not perfect. I make right. mistakes, but for some reason they keep telling me, so they're just lying to me. Nothing is ever which true. Which is a whole other thing. Which is a whole other thing. So in order for my kid to know I accept them when they make mistakes, they have to know I think they make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So this is what happens. As your kid gets older, I have these expectations. We'll talk about that in a future episode. But then when they make a mistake, I go, hey, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Would you like help to figure out how to do that better? Instead of mm -hmm. me coming in and going, mm -mm, you're not allowed to do it that way. Mm -hmm. I come in alongside and I go, would you like some help? Mm -hmm. That's one thing it has taken me a long time to even identify I need to do. I'm not doing it well. I'm at the, hey, I probably should try and figure out how to do this with mm -hmm. my kids. But with my oldest daughter, instead of coming in and going, why'd you do it like that? Yes. What? Hey, you know, this is the way you're supposed to do it. Or how have I taught you to do that? Right. How did I blah, 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 Didn't blah. Didn't we talk about this? Yes. Instead, I come alongside and I say, oh, hey, I noticed I noticed this or I noticed that, right. you know. And she will often say to me, yeah, I don't really like it. I wish I'd done this. Or I wish, yeah, that didn't go well. I wish I'd done this better. Then I get to come in as the supported, instead of the overbearing, right. I get to come in and go, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Do you want to know what I would have done different? Mm -hmm. Do you want to know what X, Y, and Z? Right. right. Or I've had one where she'll come to me and go, my sister or a friend said this and it hurt right. my feelings. And I go, oh, how'd that make you feel? Then they tell me. And then I go, well, how do you think you should have handled that? Right. And they blah, blah, blah. And I go, do you want to know how I would have handled it? <coughs> then they're open because I'm trying to right. help you with a problem you have instead of making you the problem. Well, as soon as you make them the problem, they feel all the things. They feel unloved. They feel unaccepted. They feel like they're the like they're the problem. Mm -hmm. They feel they're immediately defensive, and right. it already has cut into the relationship and mm -hmm. the attachment. Mm -hmm. And so, it's really important to learn how to communicate that to to your children because, like we're saying, we're not eliminating behavior, and That's we're right. not eliminating the need to correct and train your child. We are just saying that 
you know, you have to do it correctly so that you don't lose the ability to attach because it's not just about attaching in your family. It's about teaching our kids how to have healthy attachments so that they can have healthy attachments in the kingdom of God. That's right. And I think what a lot of people think, as we're kind of wrapping up this whole idea, I think what a lot of people think attachment is, is me just constantly saying, I love you, I love Mm -hmm. you, we're okay. Attachment is, exists in reality. Mm -hmm. When your child is a baby, that's mostly exactly all it is. It is me hugging Mm -hmm. and cuddling, you know, it is, it is me looking my baby in the face and saying, you're precious, and singing all the songs and doing that. When they're a toddler, it's just encouraging because everything everything's a mistake. <laughs> Nothing your toddler does like, is actually that great. Some are cuter than others. People come to me and be like, look at my toddler. They're such an artist. I'm like, this looks like crap. I don't know why you brought this to me. Oh. But what, you're, what you say to the toddler is, that is so great. Look right. at how good you are because that's all that it is. And every year as they get older, you have to increase the reality for them because they're getting smarter and they're aware. No one actually thinks Mm -hmm. this was any good. Right. Because I've seen other people who actually are good and I'm smart and I know that. And if you're going to, yes, and that is the world, the great, that, that sends you down the path of greatness because like we've talked about in previous episodes, not everybody can be everything. So everything you do isn't good. That's right. And so we're preparing our children for for that. And so, you know, as they age, yeah. we start to do this, you know, more of a separation and train them That's right. to be able to handle those things. But always under this acceptance of, I am for you. And so I think by the time right. you have a teenager... This is where I see a lot of parents get frustrated. When I was a youth minister, I regularly would have parents come to me and go, well, you talk to my kid because they're failing this class and they won't. They won't blah, blah, blah. I said, so you've nagged them about it, which is awesome. I would say. So you've nagged them about yes. it. They're like, yeah, and I go, did that work? And they go, no. Mm-hmm. And I go, and now they won't we'll talk and, to you about and it. And now you want me to nag them, and you think my nagging is going to work. They go, well, once they hear it, I said, do you, do you think they care about failing this class? No. Then nothing any of us are going to say is going to do that. Why do you not want them to fail the class? Because then they won't graduate on time. Then they're going to watch their friends graduate. And I go, then maybe the best way for them to learn is to let them fail this class. You've already told them you think it's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. You've already told them, hey, I think this is blah, blah, blah. It it will not kill them when they're 35 that they failed one class when they were 16. But what might kill them is that when they're 35, they can't succeed in a job without mom coming and talking to their boss for them. Right. Because they can't get that, the, that so they, thing figured out. Or they have to have a boss who hyper-parents them and goes, hey, that thing's late again. Right. Hey, that thing's late again. They need to have some real-world acceptance. And then you get, to, I mean, real-world experience, experience so that you can be the one of acceptance saying, hey, I know that messed up. And now I'm not, I'm not going to, I told you so. I still love you. I'm so proud of you. And right. I think you can fix this. Right. I don't think this is beyond you to fix this. Right. right. That's we are so t- and I get it because I'm at the beginning stages of having a teenager. It's hard. <laughs> she is making decisions now that will have real world consequences for the rest of her life. And you're terrified. But part of giving her confidence is for her to know, even when you make a bad decision, we can come around this. And if you get people around you that you will tell the truth about the bad decision you made, mm-hmm. do this. They can come in and help you because long term, that's the way it works, because otherwise they end up in a place where they're in a marriage and the marriage is rocky, but they yes. can't tell anyone their marriage is rocky because they've been told, you know, no, 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 you got to fix it before it's a problem. Right. Or they've messed up 
in another relationship yeah, they, or, or work, financially they've messed or up. financially we, we talked talk about, about that, that today you know it's it's about knowing that you are part of an unconditional group of people that no matter what you've done yes they're not going to stop loving you and that they're and that going they're to the ones who can help you. and they are for you yes the way that god's for you and the way that your parents are should be for you and then we want our kids to know that they can walk into that too and have people that are for them We've kind of talked about it already. I remember last time I was here, right. we talked about emotions, but mm -hmm. it really comes down to learning how to hold a space in your home where these things aren't scary, they're not dismissed, mm -hmm. um, and they're not punished mm -hmm. and criticized at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's, um, and I know there, there's, there's extremes on every side of, you know, what do I do when my kid, you know, especially when they're really, really little, when they come running, I don't want them to be too attached to me. Mm. Um, mm. That's probably not going to happen <laughs> at, at the really small right. level. Exactly. In fact, at that level, you need to sort of, that's actually a sign of healthy attachment. Right. right. When your child's in an unfamiliar place and then they sort of cling to you. Right. Or they want to come you're back safety to, you. to them. You are safety. And that's actually a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And But here's the thing. When they do clum, come and cling to you, um, does it actually calm them down? Oh. If it does, then that's a sign that they are securely attached. If they continue and it's not helping, that's, that's a sign you something might be needed to be addressed. Hmm. But so there's, so allowing your child to have that um, safety and security that they know that mom, dad is there mm -hmm. and they're the place where I can go when I'm dysregulated and I need some help. But at the same time, not just um, allowing them to cling to you without any kind of autonomy or independence. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. we talked about right. that a little bit. We were talking about, you know, when you take your child to the park or to yep. a play date for the first time or whatever, and mm -hmm. they kind of, they you're in their eye. They know they, where, see you. they see you. Yep. They know you're there. Yep. And you're off to the side. Mm -hmm. You're still connected to them. You're encouraging mm -hmm. them with the way mm -hmm. that you're looking at them, whatever. But, yep. but that is intentional to help that child build Yes. their confidence in themselves mm -hmm. so that they can yep. be confident in who they are, mm -hmm. but not be just kind of thrown to the wolves. In they fact, know. that's a progression that they have to go on is mm -hmm. they have to like for toddlers and stuff, they need to be in play spaces with other kids mm -hmm. where things can happen that they may have to deal with and challenges, mm -hmm. but you be over to the side and you reassure them, you're good, you're okay. Mm -hmm. And if you need me, I'm right here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they will. Mm -hmm. um, but then the key is, you know, you're, you're, you're good, now you can go back. I'll be right. right here. I'll be right here. And then as they grow older and older, that dynamic starts to get farther and farther and farther to the point where, you know, for, for me now, I've got teenagers, and they are apart from me more than we're together. But they know where home base is. Mm -hmm. Right. In fact, it just happened last week. You know, something happened in one of my kids' lives that was pretty traumatic for her, and um, she came back home. Mm -hmm. And we had a long conversation and a pretty dang adult conversation right. about how to handle this. It was the same thing as what she was doing when she was a toddler at a play date. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just a grown-up version of that. Right. Right. And it, it, it was an encouragement to me that, okay, she knew where to come, and now we helped her work through it, and she's going to go back out into the world and, and deal with her emotional yeah. situation. Right.
we've we've now gone we've now gone down this road. In the 70s, we started this whole self-esteem psychology, which was the, all the research said that kids with high self-esteem made good grades. So what we started doing was we started telling them, you're great, you're great, you're great. What it turns out is that that self-esteem is a result, not a cause of good grades. What that means is I have high self-esteem when I make a good grades. Mm -hmm. Having high self-esteem does not make me make good grades. Right, it's the opposite. That what happens, and then what happens is I've been told my whole life, you're special, you're important, you can do anything, but I've never had to prove that. So what happens is I have a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression around myself because I go, man, everyone thinks I have all this potential and I stink. I'm not good at anything. Everyone keeps telling me I'm good, but man, I don't, I can't do anything. Right. I know all my flaws and I can't tell anyone my flaws because then guess what? And this is what we call the millennial generation. Right. This was our entire life was we were told we're the greatest and the best. And, you know, people make fun of the participation trophies. But the parents were the ones who gave us the participation yes. trophies. They were the ones who told us it's not okay to lose. It's not okay to be bad. So because that's in an effort to tell us it's okay to lose. What you actually told us was it's not okay to lose. Right. That everyone needs a trophy. And if you don't have a trophy, you're bad. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is we continue these kind of things. Our efforts to try and make our feels, kids feel confident, it's actually teaching them it's not okay to fail. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to lose. Mm -hmm. And if you mess things up, there ain't no way back from it. Right. And, Which is the opposite of Jesus. And it's the opposite. I think, I really do hope of that every parents. parent, none of us want our kids to think that. Mm -hmm. It's just what we're doing is often is often messing that up. And then our kids feel like, well, I can't tell them this. I can't do this because I don't want to let them down. I don't want to have all those things happen. And for our kids to eventually become people who live in the kingdom of God mm -hmm. and who can attach to other believers that they will call their brothers and sisters, they need to know failure is an option. Yeah. That it does happen. Truth is okay. Yeah, yeah, that I can be told the truth and I can tell the truth, mm -hmm. right? That all of these things, and people will love me and accept me for who I am, not for this idea of you have to love me without any truth. Because <laughs> yeah. when most people say you have to love me That's for who I love. am, what they mean is don't ever tell me the truth. Just whatever I do, you have to tell me it's not great. Love. <laughs> what loving me for my who I am is to say what you did was hurtful and wrong, but I'm not leaving you. Right, because I'm not walking away right, from you because I'm for you and I'm for us. So this is what I would say is a practical application is when your kids fail, let them fail when it looks like and depending on the age, depending on the size of it, not not letting your four year old play in traffic is mm -hmm. where everyone wants to go to. But being able to step in and say, hey, here are the boundaries. Here are the things. And in ways that are safe and secure for them at this at their level of development, let them fail and then come alongside and say, hey, I know that messed up, but you know, mommy still loves you. Daddy mm -hmm. still loves you. We're going to help you figure this whole thing out. Right. I think finding ways to help our kids fail well is more important than helping them succeed. I agree entirely. And at the end of the day, when you do that, they will feel loved unconditionally when you're putting love in who they are as a person and not in their achievements or whatever they're doing that That's you right. want them to succeed in. One of the things people don't realize about kids who are, are from trauma or, or, you know, are in the foster system or have dealt with abuse or neglect, mm -hmm. often the reason that their behavior is so extreme is because what they're trying to do is, if you see the worst of me and you still love me, mm -hmm. that means you really love me. 
What mm -hmm. most of us try to do is keep telling people, you're the best, you're the best, mm -hmm. you're the best. And what your kid actually needs to see is, they, I, need, I need you to see me fail. Mm -hmm. I need you to see me mess it up and still love me because that's how I know you actually love me. Because what you might actually only love is the good grades I make and the way I make you look in front of your friends when you can tell them all my achievements and my yes. accomplishments. Maybe that's all you really love. I need to know you're just as proud of me when I work at a McDonald's as you am when, or as you are when I get some high-end job. Like when I'm just being a person. Right. I need to see all of that. Right. And I think it's important, somebody told me this not a few years ago and it just always sticks out to me. Be very cautious of saying to your children, I love you, but, or I love mm. you, and, because that second half of the sentence is so much stronger sometimes. So mm. I love you with a period at the end is the end of the yes. sentence. And so you can say, I love when you're doing this and that, and I oh, love, sure. I and love, I love how you do you, this, and, and, and those are important things. But in a, when you're correcting or you're trying to understand something, saying, I, I love you, but you didn't do x y or z those those two things don't go together mm -hmm. i love you and you did not you know i love you you didn't do this but i love you and i want to go alongside with you like swap it around yeah. <laughs> the i love you don't start with that and then go into the negative thing because i think that that is that's what your children walk away with sometimes so. That's good. Yeah. So anyway, this is, we could probably do a few episodes on attachment. Yeah, probably. Probably. Um, but we just want you guys to, you know, have a home of acceptance for your mm -hmm. children. And that is the training ground to prepare them for being accepted in the mm -hmm. kingdom of God. So, um, all right, where are we ending? That's it. That's it. That's all we got. That's so. all we got for you guys. So um, if you have any if you have any thoughts or any questions. questions or anything where you want to tell us we did great, did not do well. Or tell us how we failed you, but you still love us. Yes. Or just tell us, I love you, period. <laughs> we need link. this. We need some affirmation, guys. No, just kidding. There's a link in the show notes, though, that you guys can use. And we do love to hear from you guys. Mm -hmm. So um, thanks for being with us today. And we will see you next time. Have a great one. Good one. <laughs>